prioritization, I would say, is something that people sh- should be looking at right now. They should be looking at the things that they want to be doing before the gifting season. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. My name is Chase, and today I'm welcoming to the show another amazing agency owner uh, from across the pond. Kind of, technically, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but, anyways, Ross, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Chase, good in yourself. Thanks for having me. Doing fantastic. It's the coffee hasn't kicked in yet, so hopefully, it, you know, it, it'll get me here in a second. Um, so Ross is joining us. Uh, he's the founder of Shop Creatify. Uh, they're five years old now, and they're proudly distributed Shopify expert agency with equally distributed client base. So they are working with team members all over the world and with businesses all over the world. So uh, today, we're going to actually focus a bit about kind of working with an agency and how to kind of get the best out of it. But before we kind of dive in there, Ross, uh, do you want to give me kind of a quick background on kind of what what led you here and how you ended up running your own shop? Yeah, sure. Sure. No problem. Um, as, as you say correctly, uh, five-year-old business, Shop Creatify. Um, my, my career spans back 20-something years now. Uh, the last 10 of which have been specifically e-commerce uh, and the last five of which have been specifically Shopify and its related uh, ecosystem technology partners and so on. Uh, as I say, I, I've been working in e-commerce for the last 10 years, but um, just 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 prior to founding Shop Creatify, I actually made an attempt at being a merchant uh, quite successfully, but also realized that there was a, a better fit for myself and uh, my skill set to actually service uh, merchants in, in, in the sense of creating stores and, and making them better. Um, we were actually selling uh, paracord bracelets, of all things, um, having them manufactured and bring them into the country and selling them. But uh, I set up a store for, for somebody in Australia. Uh, selling carbon fiber bicycle components. And uh, that was kind of the beginning of something that has now become this little agency, which which I'm quite proud of. Um, we've grown to 10 people now. Uh, we don't intend to be big, but uh, I'm happy with the size that we're at. And you know, maybe a few more people in the coming years will be good. But um, we're very happy with where we are and it's all good so far. Gotcha. So I got a few questions there because it's so funny, just the parallels between our agency and yours. So the first being like getting started, you know, it, it almost seems like it was an accident, a happy accident. Would you agree? Uh, I don't know if I would entirely agree with that. I think there was a there's an element of serendipity, if that's the right word to use. But um, someone gave me advice a good few years ago to, if you want to create a, a tech agency, is choose a core piece of software to to build that business around. And interestingly enough, Shopify was one of two candidates for me. The other one was Campaign Monitor. Um, we were, uh, that was an option of actually having an email. Marketing 
marketing focused agency. Um, but then e-commerce was a stronger desire for me because there's a lot more tangible value in, in, you know, the sales figures going up are better than the viewership figures of your emails. So kind of went that route instead. So yeah, I, I would say there was a lot of intent, but um, definitely, you know, there's a lot of luck involved in these types of things and, and a lot of things that just fall into place. I think that was unintentional. Yeah, I can I can agree wholeheartedly there, and especially just with the whole, uh, you know, hitching your cart to the Shopify horse. Like, I didn't expect Shopify to do what it did in the last five years. When we made the choice to like focus on Shopify over at Electric Eye, it was only because like we liked the people and it just tended to work better. Like, we didn't think it would ever like just grow like it did and just become this monolith in e-commerce. Uh, we we just thought it was like another another competitor in the ecosystem. Like you know, just you know, it was there. You know, you had some options. You had Magento, you had WordPress, you had Big Commerce, and you had Shopify. You know, and we're like, all right, well, we're good at this one. We're just gonna stick with this one. Mm. Uh, but how it's changed? Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a term that's used quite often in the space, um, tech agnosticism, and I've got a lot of respect for companies that are um, agnostic to what technology is used. And I would say that I've actually retained a lot of that in the sense that. If somebody were to come to us, and I'm sure you guys are the same, th- their needs are not well suited to Shopify, mm-hmm. then don't use Shopify. You know, then then rather go and either do the bespoke thing or or use the other platform that is more suited to it, kind of thing. So, um, we definitely 100% Shopify focused, um, as I think you guys are. Um, but by the same token, we're not going to take the projects on that don't suit the platform. You know, that you have to have best of breed. Yeah. I think that just you got to be coming from a place of service, and you know I don't want to do anyone a disservice by selling them something that isn't going to solve their problem. I'm, you know, there's a, oftentimes people are trying to put a square peg into a round hole, like trying to get Shopify to solve something for them that is it isn't going to solve. Uh, and you know, most of the time I try to educate them on on what you know what a better solution might be, and then hopefully I have someone in my network to refer them off to. But yeah, these days it's strictly you know we've got a very core. You know, customer that we like to serve over there. Yeah, the, the shopping list of apps. You, I'm sure you've got those inquiries where it's like here's 20 apps that are going to make this amazing platform, but you know they're not all necessarily going to work together very well. So, oh yeah, <laughs> we can talk about app bloat for a whole entire episode, probably. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Today, all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rockies. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R... G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. All right. So um let's let's kind of dive into it here. So well, first of all, I do want to point this out. Like you you are a fully remote agency and you're working with businesses and con- like you've got uh employees all over the world. Where are you based? We haven't like let the audience know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, across the pond there. Eh? Um so I'm I'm in Cape Town, South Africa. 
Um, we have a few uh, team members here also in South Africa, distributed between Johannesburg, um, Wilderness, our project manager is in Wilderness. She basically lives on the edge of a forest. Um, uh, Vienna, Austria, and Chicago um, is, is where our team kind of resides. And then our client base is more distributed between uh, the US, the UK, and Australia at the moment. We've had some Canadian clients and we've had some uh, European clients too, but that's currently where they all reside. <laughs> um, it's very interesting um, managing time zones, um, but it's, it's, it is it's surprisingly more manageable than one would think. We've, you know, where it can become a bit hairy is when you've got someone in Southeast Asia and someone in the US and then maybe someone in South Africa all dealing client service provider um, and trying to coordinate meetings. But you know what? We've managed to to make it work successfully. Some of the clients have been with us for almost since the beginning, four and a half years. Some of our clients have been with us and and they're very happy with how we've we've set things up. So yeah, it's 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 something that we're quite fortunate in this, you know. I wouldn't say post COVID, but since, uh, since lockdowns and, um, social distancing and that we're, we're quite seasoned in the ways of <laughs> working remotely and, mm -hmm. and managing, um, and things that, that, that don't, w w when you're not able to be in the physical presence of others. So yeah, we're quite lucky there. Yeah. That just, yeah, that brings up something that I haven't thought about in a while. And it was, when we were first getting started as an agency, oftentimes people wanted to get together. They wanted to meet in person. They wanted someone local. Mm. And as we've grown the business, there's been less and less of those types of requests. People are more focused on results. They're like, "Can you get these results for me? What is your process? Let's do. Let's do it." So, you know, if there's any younger consultants out there that are just getting into the game, uh, trust me. Uh, once you start to make some results for people and you get the case studies out there. It gets less about where you are and more about what you can do. Yeah, I've I've, I've actually played quite a hardball on the on the meeting in person aspect. I mean, I've got no problem physically sitting down in someone's office or in a coffee shop, or whatever the case is. But it's very seldom worth the 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 drive and the carbon footprint and the, all the other negatives that the time of of commuting and and so on. You, you know, a Zoom call. Or a or a or a Google Meets uh, call or whatever the case is, you can do you can probably do more. You're in a comfortable setting of your own office or your own home office or whatever the case is. Um, I am definitely set up like that now, and I think I think others can be and are actually now being forced to realize that actually in some cases a better way of being um, in a working context. But yeah, I, I do understand the. <laughs> um, the, what do you call it? The, the the water cooler conversations that are lacking, mm -hmm. but there are ways and means of of dealing with that too. I mean, there are um, digital. I mean, we, we're we're adopting agile Scrum at the moment, and you know the way that standups happen in a, an environment where everybody's kind of in the same room and they've got a board up on the wall, a physical board with post-it notes or whatever the case is. Um, we're we're actually taking some advice that these guys are realizing and how they're now forced to do the same quality work, but without being in the physical presence of each other. So uh, we're, we're adopting a couple of ideas. We're contemplating doing asynchronous stand-ups where the guys record a little Loom video and send it in. And then our PM will review those and see if there's any post stand-up um, discussions that need to be had. And then she'll arrange for those people to like have that chat. And it's it's pretty interesting to like, there's a, there's a lot more... 
there are not, there are more brains being applied to this problem now as well. So we're benefiting from that, but also kind of losing a bit of our competitive advantage in terms of being so good at this um, remote thing that that so many others are now having to do. So, but that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if the world's a better place for it, then I'm all for it. Yeah, I think so. I think that it's it's definitely going to help. So let's shift gears now. With everything that's kind of happened with the uh, you know the pandemic and then kind of the aftermath now, uh, there are a lot of businesses looking to either get into e-commerce or now they are reallocating funds to uh, invest in whatever they've got going to make it better. Uh, and today we're going to chat a bit about kind of uh, how projects can go well and how projects can go off the rails. Um, I think it's very timely, especially right now. Uh, we're getting a lot of inbound because we are just over three months from the start of November, uh, and that's kind of like the start of the big selling season for e-commerce. So everyone's starting to get the projects in now. So with that being said, I guess how do we want to approach this? Uh, do we want to kind of walk through maybe a an example project, and or or what do you what do you have in mind? Yeah, we we could look at a, an example project. Um, the one thing that I think comes down to uh, the crux of what one needs to be doing now, and as you say, I mean we're in the same boat. Where uh, come September, you probably starting to run a bit late if you, if you're wanting to embark on a on a redesign or any significant build. Um, so prioritization. I would say is something that people sh- should be looking at right now. They should be looking at the things that they want to be doing before the gifting season. Um, I have no reason to think that the gifting season this year is going to be any more significantly different to how it has been. I mean, it is an anomalous year in the sense that we haven't had a pandemic in 100 and 103 years or whatever it is, but, and there, w- and there wasn't Black Friday back then, nor the internet, but what merchants need to be doing right now is looking at what they want to achieve by the the gifting season, the BFCM weekend and and beyond, because everybody, as you probably experience every year also, you you get a massive influx around, I don't know, October, a little bit before maybe, where they they either want to go online, they want to redesign, they want to build a really cool feature or something that they've wanted to do since last Black Friday (laughs) and realized there's only a month or two left. Um, And pretty often that's too late. Um, you, you, You don't have enough time to test you stand a good chance of having some egg on face, which which you don't really want, and it's um, it's wise now. I mean, we started marketing for uh, Black Friday type work uh, already a month or two ago, and I think I think most of my our peers, our common um, contacts have, have also. We all started reasonably recently because. Um, yeah, those those things need to be underway already. I mean, our, our biggest project that we've got is is, is already started, um, and you know, design is most of the way done. Build is about to kick off, and we we're leaving a good um, almost a month worth of testing, and by the end of October, that thing will be pretty much a hundred percent. I can't say what it is though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Want to get each new episode of Honest E-Commerce sent straight to your phone? Join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text Honest VIP, that's H O N E S T VIP to 72599 to join. 
By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. I agree with you. I believe agencies, consultants, freelancers, anybody in the space that has to deal with Black Friday and Cyber Monday and uh, kind of just the holiday selling season, their mind is thinking about Q3 the second Q2 hits. So, you know, you if you have a project you want to launch before Black Friday, you know, before Cyber Monday, the things you need to consider is like you don't want to launch it on Black Friday. Like that is a giant no-no. Uh, you want to get it launched a couple weeks before for a bunch of reasons. The more important ones being with any sort of creative work like this, any sort of custom features, whatever. If you're doing a bigger like deep redesign or like some implementing some feature, there's going to be something that like just gets overlooked in QA. It's the nature of this business, and you don't want that bug to be happening on Black Friday. You want it to launch a couple weeks before so you can catch it, fix it, and then you're seamless on Black Friday. When you're probably dumping a lot of money into sales and driving up traffic, um, and then another thing is, anytime you do a big redesign or a big feature thing, uh, your customers need to like get familiar with it a bit. There's always, whenever you launch a big redesign, there's always a dip in conversions, and then it comes back up. And hopefully, if you did your job right, it goes to a place above where it was. But yeah, it's like you got to keep those two things in mind. So what we've been saying is we want to get things live by November 1st. And if mm. we can't get what you want live by November 1st, we're pulling stuff out of scope and we're going to do it after the holiday season. Yeah. Um, which I think might pivot us into uh, the next part of the conversation is setting setting expectations about what you can do. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, ju- just to continue what you're saying there, there in terms of um, November the first um, uh, being the latest that you want to go live, and then if that's not the case, which it often is, and you know, historically going back now, and it's not. I mean, I'm not saying that Shop Creatify has dropped the ball. I mean, maybe we have in some areas, but you, you know, that's just be part of being human. But more often than not, the merchant will not realize the amount of time required to do that photography, to write that copy, to load the products, to do the things that they need to do. And then, you know, probably more than half of 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 the ambitious projects in the build up to to Black Friday don't happen. So, setting expectations. Um, on both sides is incredibly important. We we err on the side of caution generally in the sense that um, we'll always try and be as covered as we can be in the sense that we will give our best effort, but it also relies on you. So it's kind of a collaborative effort with a merchant where... Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's We we say this in kickoff calls. It's, it's a collaborative process. Uh, you know, faster responses lead to faster delivery mm. and delays in responses lead to delays in delivery. And it's that simple. Uh, and if you are taking an extra day to reply to every email, you know, there's dozens of emails that are going on here and the work's gonna stop and you are effectively like you just delayed your project, you know, a dozen days, a cent a dozen working days. Yeah, yeah, no for sure. Um in, in terms of um again, you know, with, with the expectation side of things, I mean you mentioned culling features or 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 reducing the scope, whatever the case is. That is always a valid way of seeing something go live. And I mean, when I was thinking about this discussion beforehand. Um, I, I wanted to mention the the concept of prioritization, so that you know you have your 
you have your MVP, let's call it, where if those bells and whistles that you want to add before Black Friday don't make it into production, then they don't go live. The merchant must still feel the um, the the value of that thing having gone live. I mean, we, we had an incident last year where um, we built a pretty cool feature for a store and it's from the client side unfortunately there were massive delays they were i think they had um, manufacturing issues or something but they just couldn't give enough attention to it but there was so much that that had been put into it i think we went live like a day or two before black friday and we realized that there was a massive flaw um, that potentially allowed the customer to be able to double dip the, the discounts. And obviously there's lots of discounts being slung around on at that time of year. So we had to, to make some, <laughs> put out a huge fire. Um, but that said, th- that feature constituted 21% of their sales over that period. So it still worked. You know what I mean? So yeah, the elements of the, of the system that you're building that, that would definitely add value to it. Um, if, if there is still value to be derived from the parts that do make it into production, don't do those. That makes sense. That That's probably the, the big takeaway that I'd give to that. But then also being upfront about that in the beginning, um, upfront from a sort of uh, an agency owner or a, or a service provider to a merchant, but also from a mer- merchant to understand the fact that there are things in the body of work that are the sum of all the parts are going to be X value and then you remove bits. It's going to you know, be a bit less value, but it's still going to be better than nothing. It's still going to be greater than zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say um, we tend to see is people want to do redesigns a couple months before Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and potentially add in some features with the goal of raising you know, the cart value or, or something like that. And with those types of feature requests, sometimes it's like you make a like obviously you're gonna run through the statement of work and these are all the things that are the good ideas, but then you're gonna prioritize them. Be like, these ones are absolutely getting done. Mm. You know, this is where we're gonna put our energy first. And then kind of down the line, as you get closer, you know, if things start getting delayed, if you know, if stuff comes up during build outs that, you know, add some scope to the project, um, you know, you have to start making tough choices. And unfortunately, you know that choice isn't like get it done. It's sometimes impossible to get it done. So you have to really understand, like, okay, how can we get this thing across the finish line with enough time to make sure that it's not going to be a de- detriment to our business? Because we're not talking about like going live with like a half built house here. Like, if you go live with a with an untested feature or you know you're trying to rush a bigger project it could be devastating to a business like if things aren't truly like QA'd and looked at like you could accidentally go live with something that can just destroy your conversion rate or like make it impossible for people to check out on certain on certain platforms or certain like uh devices um so i guess that's just a warning i want to put out there to people to like don't rush production on Core features, core designs, like with your partners, whoever, whomever you're using, uh, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, the, the, there was one thing that I want to add to that was, um, if you're, I suppose there's there's two parts to this, possibly even more than two. But if you're not currently trading online, and you know you've got, let's say, two months before Black Friday, make an attempt to be online by Black Friday. 
because you're not currently doing it. So that's that's a that's a case of something being better than zero. Mm-hmm. If you have an existing store and it's doing okay, doing quite well, I wouldn't attempt trying to redesign that two months before Black Friday. Absolutely not. Then rather focus on on optimizing what you've got. Your customers know it. There, there's there, unless it's even if it's pretty bad. I, I, I would struggle to justify taking on a, a redesign project two months before Black Friday. Um, rather focus on optimization, making sure that your, you know, your what, whatever the flaws are in their existing thing are fixed, even if they're they kind of feel like band-aids being applied. And then even, I mean, what we do is we do a code freeze. Generally in in um, November, we we're not deploying anything. We we actually start working on the things that are going to be launched in December, January, already in November, because we're not going to launch anything serious in November. Um, so we actually move, we can move our focus to building things that don't need that much input from the merchant because they actually need to focus on getting ready to ship yeah. <laughs> and handle that, that volume of orders that are coming in and so on. So it's, it's quite nice to be in a position to, to be working on the December, January, February launch type stuff already in November because you've done everything that you need to do in preparation for Black Friday. Yes, there's going to be little things that need to be tweaked and changed and so on and so forth. But if you've got a, a store that's doing um, any form of decent revenue, um, don't go and... Um, we're doing a big redesign at the moment for for uh, a merchant that is both in the US and the UK. And we're really going to town in terms of making sure, because if we don't get it right, you know, collectively, the merchant and us, it's detriment. It's massively detrimental if we don't get the SEO and, you know, all the redirects and things like that right. There will be a big dip. But by the same token, once that has gone through and it's had time to teeth, that merchant's going to be in a much better position. And it's not always just about revenue. They, they're going to be lined up for the Black Friday season with fewer support requests because we're addressing a lot of like consumer issues and which become the merchant's issues like fielding far more support inquiries than they need to kind of thing. So it's, it's not always about just the... Mm-hmm. Obviously, the sales should... Um, should uptick as well, but um, it's not always about just the, the 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 revenue, you know. So I mean, it's it's going to be significantly better for conversions, and um, I, their their small support uh, team is going to be a lot happier, I think. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps brands deliver more personalized digital marketing experiences via email, SMS messages, social ads, and more. And since it's all driven by real-time e-commerce data, you can make sure every interaction feels more relevant. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit Clavio.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Yeah, you mentioned something there uh, at the beginning uh, about if you are a, a young merchant and you're just you're it's your first attempt at getting online um, before Black Friday, you know, two months out, that's a little quick. But you know, hey, you can probably do it. You can probably do it yourself with a premium theme and uh, just a get it done attitude. Because mm. uh, here's what here's what it is: is that going to zero to one, getting online, you're gonna realize things within your business outside of the e-commerce platform that you need to figure out first before you're even gonna you're even gonna crush it online. But like with that being said, um, 
all you should be worried about is getting your store turned on and getting your products on there and having the availability to actually buy your products online. That should be your only goal with your first build of your site. All these features you hear about, automations, pop-up, like mm. all of the cool mm. stuff that you see on these like massive websites, I would ignore that at first because those aren't going to make or break your business. What's going to make or break your business is getting it online, having the availability to buy these products, and then marketing those products uh, through the avenues that you have existed already exist for your business. So instead of you know stacking up this giant feature list request like, Oh, I need to have loyalty and I need to have uh, subscriptions for this one product and I need to have X, Y, and Z on the first version of your website. You should just take all that energy and effort and focus that into like marketing from the get-go. Like Once you get it live, you need to get people there and get them to know it exists. Yeah, the, the the one thing that I would disclaim about that statement of mine about you know two months to go and you don't have anything, it kind of depends on who you are and what you're selling. Uh, that would be a van- what I call a vanilla instance of Shopify. I mean, you would you would be taking uh, a premium theme or a free theme and using it pretty close to default. Um, as you say, you wouldn't be implementing loyalty programs um, or any of those fancy things. You would be getting a e-commerce store set up that allows people to buy your product. That's about it, you know. And you could, you know, you, you can make it on brand. Um, depending on how much of a slave driver you are, you could get it done quite polished. But we wouldn't take on a two-month build in, in you know, pre-Black Friday. It, it would be, it would yeah. put too much rain on my guys. <laughs> It, the most agencies that are producing results in this space are probably not taking on any new clients within two months of Black Friday period. They are probably fully booked up. Yeah. Uh, and, and it goes back to you need to be having these conversations in Q2, the end of, you know, starting Q3. You need to be making these connections with these providers. If you have ongoing issues with your store or there are questions you have about your user experience, if you have if you don't have like a trusted advisor or or uh agency partner that you're using um you know it's time to kind of get out there and and meet some people uh obviously if you're a little bit younger you're probably going to be dealing with more freelancers and independent consultants uh and not younger in a sense of age but just younger in a sense of your business journey um you know but once you've got some initial traction uh you got product market fit uh, you know, I would argue you're over the hump and your sales are well above a quarter million. Not sorry, yeah, well above a quarter million a year. You probably got some initial traction then. Um, between there and like 10 million, you probably don't need to hire anyone in house, and that's when you should probably be like using partners such as Shop Creatify or, or Electric Eye. But uh, you know, then after the 10 million point, then it like starts to make sense to start bringing some of these uh, some of these resources in house. Um, Yes. But that's a whole other conversation, I guess. Yeah, I think th- there's something that you mentioned now with that, that you touched on. I think I heard you, well, I've seen you, you mentioned it previously is, is the life cycle of the, of the e-commerce business or the merchant. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you've got a defined uh, sort of layout of, of the life cycle. I mean, I've made an attempt at it and you know, distributed it amongst our team because we, we do a lot of conversion optimization work. And 
there is a certain there are certain criteria before conversion optimization makes sense and what we've done is we've broken it down into um, the, the birth phase, the, the growth phase, then the conversion optimization phase, and then the um, sort of the ongoing um, testing and refining and so on. I like to call that last phase squeezing blood from a stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting the last bit out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, sometimes uh, merchants can, in the growth phase, be kind of conversion optimization ready. But usually, they're still kind of finding their feet and and growing the traffic. And and once that traffic is there and the sales are there, they can look at the conversion rate. They can look at the traffic. They can draw meaningful information from heat maps and things like that. But before you can do that, you need to actually lay your foundation and get the traffic in, and 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 then start figuring out what you're doing wrong because you'll definitely be doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean, and when you're in when when you're any younger than that in your business, your traffic isn't there. You can't even get statistically accurate numbers that even matter for kind of what what you got going on there. Um, to answer your question, no, I don't have like I don't have it like the business lifecycle concept like laid out yet. I should probably spend some time on it on and you know and put my thoughts to paper. But um, I'll happily share that with you. Yeah, I would say though, you know, the first phase, you know, this. The, this is where I technically truly believe it's an e- e-commerce startup. Is you know, it's your first go around. It's not like you've built an e-commerce business before. Because I feel like if you've built it, built and sold an e-commerce business before, and then you're doing it again, you are already so far ahead of anyone else who's starting another e-commerce business. So like I would say, this is probably their first go around in e-com, um, and that focus. I'd say the true like notion of how they've got out of that first stage into the second stage is when they've found a product market fit. And I would probably define that in e-com as they've got an, an organic sales element to their business and their product is moving and people like it. You know, I feel like once you unlock that, um, I think you're moving into the next stage of things. Um, and I would say without a doubt, there is no agency in the world that can help you with that stage. No one will help you find product market fit. Yeah, I mean, what what we call it internally is the is the secret sauce. Yeah, you know, once once the merchant has realized what the secret sauce is for their business, because that can that can it will differ between um, each uh, e commerce store. Because, I mean, unless you're selling exactly the same thing, which is very unlikely, I don't think any of our clients. Well, I mean, there's something that I always say is that all e-commerce stores are so unique. I mean, you are even if you're selling the same thing, you're selling it at a different price, you're selling it to different people, you're using different channels, um, you're shipping it differently and pricing the shipping differently. It's such it's almost like a DNA of, of a business. And once that secret so we've 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 dealt with merchants that were I wouldn't say struggling, but you could definitely tell that they were quite far from profitable now or you know sitting with seven stores around the world where they hit seasonal, you know, it, it's very much a summer product. Um, and when, whenever the seasons change, they just shift all their efforts to the, <laughs> to the, to the summer market and, and they're absolutely coining it right now. Um, so the secret source that our clients have found, it's actually a, it's a beautiful moment to see them go from kind of trying to figure things out. Their sales are, are okay. And then all of a sudden, you'll just see the spike. <laughs> um, it's, you, you do get the gradual uh, uh, growth on, on, on some stores, but then sometimes, I don't know, 
sometimes that that secret source is an investor that's just giving them all this ad um, spend, you know. But it's uh, it's it, it's quite an inspiring thing. It's actually one of the things that I enjoy the most about this. And and you know, coming back to right at the beginning where I mentioned I could have been doing email marketing, but I chose e-commerce. I don't think I would have got as much of a rush out of seeing. Oh wow! They had like a really high open rate <laughs> of on on that email versus oh wow, they did ten million this month. <laughs> like it's like slightly different kind of uh, feeling. Absolutely, um, Ross. Uh, I'm gonna have to have, have you back on the show. We have like questions here that we didn't even get to. It's really fun talking to uh, someone that kind of just sees the same things that we see day in and day out. Um, I like having agency owners on here. It's been a while since I've had one. Um, but if people uh, enjoy uh, what you've had to share today, uh, where can they reach out to you? Where can they find you online? Um, so shopcreatify.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, my little marketing team handles most of that. But uh, yeah, uh, I think if you search Shop Creatify, thankfully, that's a pretty unique name. So um, we'll come up on, um, in Google when you search for us. Shop Creatify. Absolutely. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Ross, thank you so much for coming on today. Wicked. Thanks, Chase. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.